You're now listening to Not Your Average Teacher podcast, hosted by Paul Gordon, Jesus Huerta, and Eric Garcia. Hey, hi everybody. My name is Jesus Huerta. I'm a fifth grade teacher in El Central California, and I want to welcome you to the first episode of Not Your Average Teacher podcast. Um, I have a couple other co-hosts with me. It should be five, but a couple of us are not here today, so we're going with three today. Uh, let me pass over to Paul. Paul, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, what up, everyone? My name is Paul Gordon. I'm a teacher in Palm Springs, California. I teach fifth grade, and it's great to be here. It's super fun. The inaugural episode, it's going to be fun. Hey. Hello there. My name is Eric Garcia. I'm a first grade teacher at Browning Oaks Team Academy in McFarland, California. And where's McFarland? It's about two, uh, two and a half hours north of Los Angeles. Um, we're famous for the McFarland movie. I don't know if you've heard of that. But, and we have some awesome teachers there. Um, I give a shout out to uh, an awesome 3D printing guru over there at Browning Oaks Team Academy, Valerie Perez. She's um, awesome. You've heard of her? She is awesome. She's done some great work with 3D prosthetics. Yes, she has. Prosthetics. Okay. So, Eric, what's your uh, Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at EdTechGarcia. And then, Paul, what's yours again? Teach the Tech. Okay, nice. So what about you, Jesus? Uh, Jesus H1979. And for uh, Eric's uh, shout-out, that's a third grade underscore Steam. That's uh, Valerie Perez. Uh, yes, she is very awesome and kind of goes with what we're going to talk about today, which is what's not an average teacher, what goes above and beyond being average. Um, so I'm going to ask our two co-hosts right here, um, what do you guys think of a teacher that's not average? What makes them not average? Well, first off, someone that doesn't go by the normal route. I mean, someone that totally goes their own way, beats to their own drum, find the horse of the different color. That's really what makes someone not average is that they're not going to be following someone else. They're going to make their own path and make their own road and how they're going to get to their end game. Yeah. And they're, they're not afraid to take chances. They're, they're, they're not, like you said, not the average normal teacher who may just follow the lesson plans, the, straight out of the book, um, are willing to take chances and actually not fail and not actually be able and really take those big, big chances and not just always follow someone like Paul said and um, march the beat of their own. So let me do a little follow-up question on that. Um, You guys are saying, you know, maybe not follow that lesson plan structure, the traditional one. what advice would you give to a teacher that wants to go and step out of the norm and do something different? It doesn't necessarily have to be just ed tech. Um, maybe they want to do something with design thinking and they're going to start with like cardboard or Play-Doh or Legos. Um, what advice would you give them? Especially because there might be pushback or there definitely will be pushback in some situations. Well, yeah, you definitely need to know your audience and you need to know your admin because doing something that your admin really doesn't want you to do only can lead to not good things, essentially. 
Because, I mean, if you want to try something new and they are totally for it, that's great. But you definitely need to watch how you're going to present it and where where's the right time to present that type of stuff. Yes, and one thing is is to make sure you um, know your admin. Know, uh, you know, that you, you'll get some admin that just want you to follow that TE, want you to follow those lessons exactly straight out of the book. But you also, if you want to um, not do that, you have to be willing to put in the work to, to research and do the work and see what's out there and um, show them the data that, hey, this works, let me try this. If it doesn't work, we, and we can go back to what we were doing before or try something different. But you gotta be willing to have that, that, that uh, communication with your admin. And also, and also your your grade level as well. So a lot of your teachers, um, if you get them on board, they might be able to get their admin to change their outlook on, on on the ways of teaching. Yeah, like for me, I think the biggest thing is if you're gonna do something different, why is it? You know what? I need more engagement. My kids are bored. Okay, then for me, yes, you need to definitely have some standards tied in. But if you're going to do something different just to get them engaged, because you know what? Throughout the whole day, they're bored because, you know what? I'm doing worksheets still. Um, still using an Elmo, you know, something like that. And like, you know, I'm tired of this or I've heard about this or I went to a conference. I want to try this. Um, just try it. You know what? I'm going to tell you right now, you probably fall flat on your face. But you're going to see little bits and pieces that worked and say, you know what? Okay, next time I use this, or I'm going to use it again tomorrow or next week. But now I'm going to modify it because now I can tell where it's going to work because I know my class. I know teaching. Um, and I, I agree with both of you. I think it's knowing who's in charge. Yes. What do they want? Okay. Maybe even meet with them and say, hey, I'm going to try something different. Let me get your blessing. Or, hey, I tried this. This is how it ties back to standards. And what do you think? Could I show the rest of the, the the staff? I know that's powerful right there, like wanting to share something new that worked in your classroom, showing that it worked, and then wanting to pass it along to everybody else. Exactly. And that what, that's what makes people not average is that they want to share and, and make others better. Because the average person just wants to do their job, go, get in, get out, do what they need to do, but someone that's not that average wants to help others do more, stay late, and do all those extracurriculars to make sure that they're the best and their students are the best, and even their school's the best at the end of the day. So what do you think, Eric, may you first, what do you think defines not being average? You know, what does that mean? What does it mean to not be average? Well, not... To me, not being average, like we said before, is um, be willing to try new things, um, not go by the norm. And, uh, and and at times it's okay to go by the norm, but there's other ways to go about it. Maybe try a different strategy or a different way to get your kids engaged. And and, and like we've said before, in, in having your kids engaged is one of the most important things you can do um, because it get, they're learning. They're learning in a in a fun way. They're learning their way, and not only finding um, one way to get them engaged, but finding uh, different ways to get them engaged. Because not one student 
learns the same. Not every student learns the same way. Well, I mean, that goes back to, I mean, when we all went for our bachelor's or our credentials, they always tell us, hey, there's these different ways of learning. There's visual, kinesthetic, blah, blah, blah. But then it goes back to, hey, it's do this. Well, where's the visuals? Just do this. Do this worksheet. Um, you know, it, it definitely turns into triage effect where it's what's the goal of the day? How do you meet it? And being average is getting the job done. But being not that average is how it's the avenue and the road of getting to that end goal. Okay. So then and, go ahead. And to go back to not the average teacher, every every teacher should not be average and to the fact to where they're continuously learning. They're reading, they're researching, they're they're looking on Twitter, they're 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 doing all these different ways of learning learning of how to teach in different ways. Um Oh, I got flies everywhere. Sorry. Right. <laughs> it's a podcast. It's not a video conference. <laughs> you you just ruined this. No. Uh, no, no, no. So, but constantly, uh, how would you like it if if you went to your dentist office every time, and your your dentist is not willing to research and learn every every time? They want to do the same thing over and over again. They don't want to find a better way to treat that. I don't know that that cavity. Yeah, it, it, it's I, I don't remember who I talked to about that. I want to say it was like John Carippo. We're talking about that. And it's like, you know, if someone's practicing medicine the same way they did 30 years ago, would you want them to hold a scalpel and perform surgery? I and mean, they haven't learned anything new about performing surgeries. No, I'd be running out of the hospital. I'll take my chances, whatever's wrong with me. Because, I mean, the medicine has changed in the last five years, let alone the last three decades, you know. And even technologies changing even more rapidly. And yeah, students are becoming these digital natives that really have a full understanding of it as well. Where I mean, the attention span of a child has been shortening more and more throughout the years. So, what do you guys do in your classroom that is above average? What do you feel? And it's not like, hey, time to tour our own horns, guys. No, no, I don't mean it like that. But what's something that you you pride yourself in? Like, you know what? I bring this into my classroom. I utilize this. It's a powerful tool. And I think it's it takes my regular lessons and pulls them, you know, way up here and, and really amplifies what the kids are learning. Yeah, well, why don't you answer that question uh, yourself first? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll go let's first. Hear from you. Um, so, and again, this is not like, hey, look at me. Um, but I mean, I, I use physical computing, like with Arduinos, Makey Makey. Um, I use robotics. Um, all those, I try to find a way to work, at least writing into them, like at least a reflection piece. And the kids will eat that up and, and write. Um, my biggest thing is 3D printing. That's like my thing. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you already know that. If you know me, it's like my thing. Um, but I use it in a lot of different ways that I, I, I'm very proud of it. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. One of them is just building classroom culture. The kids come in that first day of school. I've talked about it before. Um, I get that roster and I spend my time making nameplates for them. And they come in that first day of school and they don't find that paper name tent or, hey, draw your own. No, here, have this. And then they see machines running in the back. They're like, wait, is this from that? Um, the big project that I came up with recently is the kids are going to put together prosthetic hands. 
And if everything works out right, some of those hands will get donated to people that actually need them and they'll be measured properly for them. Um, right there, I can name, I don't know, a million standards. There's math built in um, just with the measurements and the scaling. Um, physical engineering, because they have to make sure the hand works properly. Why is it not working properly? What did I put together wrong? So there's grit, there's rigor. Um, that's one of those buzzwords right now, rigor. Um, but the biggest thing is empathy. Um, I think a lot of these kids, I don't want to say they're isolated, but I don't think they have that opportunity to do something besides, hey, I went and cut my neighbor's lawn for free. What did I really do to help them? I think this you know, project where they make this hand and then they get to you know, do a one-on-one -on -one call with this person that they helped, I think that really helps them understand, like, look what I did in fifth grade. I changed somebody's life. Now, what am I going to do in sixth grade or in seventh grade? And that's where hopefully other teachers take what I've done or other teachers have done and then build off of it. Because if not, then these kids are just going to go and go off to college and not have any skills that are really necessary right now. Yeah, exactly. So that you talked a lot about how you're making those things of non-ELA math, science, social studies, and you're really bringing in that social emotional aspect to your classroom. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, one thing that I've done with that social emotional aspect is from from day one, one of my uh, one of the things I've learned is to make sure I have build relationships with my students. And the one way I build relations with my students is I, I did, I have used Flipgrid and Flipgrid has actually been one of the best things I've used awesome. to build those relationships because I set up a grid to where it is moderated. So only I see it, none of my students see it. They can record and they can talk about anything they want. They can share something that they did over the weekend, that game that they played or what they did for their birthday that weekend, or the party they went to, or something they watched on TV or a movie, anything that they wanted to share, either good or bad, if they had questions about anything like that. And um, I would listen to those recordings on my way home. I usually have about a 30-minute, 25-minute drive. So I would I would listen to those on my, on my drive home or my drive to work. And it really got me to know my students. And uh, so building those relationships have really helped out in um, in my teaching because I know, how, you know, I, I know the student who might be, can't get any sleep at home. And, um, and I'm not worried about them not doing their homework because um, they don't have anyone there to help them at home or um, they, they come to school hungry. So I have to make sure every morning I go and, and make sure they go eat their breakfast at school. And that way they're ready to learn in the classroom. So little things like that help me out so much in the classroom. Absolutely. Yeah, you really hit on a point of Maslow before Blooms on a lot of the things. And that's huge is that students are people before they are learners. And if you cannot be in a comfortable environment where you can't feel good about what you're doing or you can't if you're hungry, you have those needs as a human prior to then the needs that you have as a student. So absolutely, it's great to have people out there that actually care about the student prior to their test scores or grades. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that it's something just one-on-one -on -one between you and them, I think it allows them to have that confidence. And I think it builds that relationship to the point where they come in and they're like, you know what, I'm going to do my best because you know what, my teacher cares about me. 
And I think it really goes against that mentality of, well, I only teach this one way. You're in my classroom. You're going to do it my way. And just changing that mindset takes you from average to above average, where you're like, you know what? These are my students, but this is our classroom. Let's learn different ways so everyone learns it, not just the way I teach it. You know what? It's not sticking with this kid right here. I better change it up. Let me do some research. Let me find another way. Let me ask another teacher. Because if we do that whole, well, I'm an island kind of thing, then, yeah, I mean, these kids are not going to learn anything new. Yeah, and, we, and that's the worst part is that if they, it's that sense of giving up. And if you give up on them, then they're going to give up on you. And then who knows how far that's going to go in that mistrust within the education system that kid will go with that. So, Paul, we're going to talk about something that I know you do. I don't know if that's what you're going to talk about right now that makes you not average, but you do esports, right? I do do esports. Okay. Yeah. Can you so, share on that? That has been one of my projects this year of creating an esports team and a gaming club for after school. And what I've been able to do is that I've been able to procure a full on esports team setup with the five PCs, keyboards, mice, headsets, all the all the cool stuff. Got some gaming chairs for the library, and what we do is we meet every other Monday and we practice our our esports, whether that's League of Legends or Dota or Fortnite. So something that we've been really pushing for is to get into competitions. One, um, one part that is not that I'm still trying to work on is to get into competitions because esports is very primarily high school oriented. I'm in a K-8 school, so having six, seven, eighth graders competing at high school level has always been, it is kind of a, it's it's a definitely a jump hoop struggle. It's kind of like having a modified sports team go against the varsity team. And it's like, ugh, is that really? Well, is there, I mean, I'm going to make it sound easy, but why don't you just get a bunch of other schools interested that are K-8 and make your own little league? You know, and that's always been what what I've been trying to do, but you know what? There's such a financial yeah. uh, need Especially right now. It, 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 I mean, to initially set up, it, it costs probably twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to get a full-on gaming system and league going. So, I mean, each PC costs 2000 Yeah. With, with all the accessories as well. So you get five of them. I mean, I'm not a math teacher, but yeah. <laughs> I like how you're like I, I, I can show you five different ways how to do that math, but sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it definitely really it, it, there's a financial uh, aspect to it that is really bearing a lot of schools from jumping into it. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, as it becomes less and less expensive, I know they have like say Fortnite on mobile, and I know some people that's how they compete, you know, professionally on the mobile, and they don't do the the PC thing for some reason they just adapted more to to the mobile one but yeah and there are mobile games and uh, uh ipad based games like uh uh vainglory and hearthstone you can okay. play on I ipads and other tablets and it's all tablet based uh gaming but for some reason the kids are more into so the ones that how can... how is that esports thing how's that helped you in the classroom or at your school site like what have you what benefits have you seen from it you know what? I've seen the students that are your typical C's, 
CD students are the ones that are really, really, really wanting to get into it. Because what they do is that normally they're, they go home, they don't do their homework for whatever reason, um, and they just play games all night. And that's what their happiness is and, their, and where they feel comfortable in their surroundings. Wow. So what, I, what I've been able to see is that the students that are having that, that really struggle in school, they find something where there's that happiness and where they can be successful. So okay. what they do is that they use the gaming to really push their emotions and their purpose in life by saying, hey, I can do well in certain things, and this is one thing I can. So I and, see a lot of the, oh, go ahead, Eric. And it also gives them the motivation to do better to do better at school and in their other subjects and also to, to show up to school to have their attendance could get, you know, Increase, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to ask the question that usually we get asked at conferences when we're presenting something like, you know, 3D printing. I get that question a lot. So, um, like, how does how does it apply to the classroom? What standards? You know, let me throw that silly question at you. And I say silly because if you know your students and you know any student right now, anything that's esports, that's game related, this is the probably even the generation before them. They're the ones that grew up with video games in their hands, easily available since they were like three or four. Um, me growing up, I didn't have a Nintendo. I didn't have any kind of video game system until I was about 10 or 11. Um, I know my mom had to sacrifice a lot because we, you know, we didn't have money. And then every other system I had to like hustle throwing papers, which is like, sounds old school now. Um, <laughs> I used to throw papers and hustle and, you know, I used to go and, Let's just say I used to sell baseball cards, dude, back in the day when they were worth money. I would go pull like some rare ones and it would hurt me, but I'm like, I want video games more. So I would I would do that. But did you eat the bubble gum before you did that? Yeah, <laughs> I would pull and be like, hey, here's my treat because I'm going to go sell this card. Um, but what what benefits do you guys see from something like esports, you know, like like that? Well, for me, what I've seen, even though I, I'm, I, I've never been uh that much into gaming i did play a lot of video games when i was younger but um i think once i got older and got married i, I stopped playing so many games that hey look, don't hold it against us that we still like video games right <laughs> no no i still love <laughs> uh, watching madden I, i'm more of a of a sports gamer so um but what i've seen is how it ties back to standards is that collaboration that you have with your with with your teammates, it's just like doing a group project. You're collaborating. You're you're strategizing. You're um, the the listening and speaking standards are right there. You see it right before your eyes. So um, that uh, <laughs> that um, those standards are right there. And then I know I know Paul Paul can get more into the other standards because of of the gaming club that he has. Because I'm sure he's probably had to to explain the standards to his admin to get that that esports. I think the biggest thing you mentioned is and I think it's super lost by some by some teachers which is motivation. A kid might be like, "Man, I got to be in school all day. God, I don't want to be here." But they're like, "Hey, at 2:30, I guess play Fortnite." And I, Paul, do you have any kind of like, "Hey, you got to have a C to be in this club or or anything like that or like I do. I I there the students have to have at least a C average. Okay. And they cannot have 
an F. They cannot be failing a class because if they are failing class, they need to actually get that grade. Do up you have any back. that have like risen up to that challenge and said, you know what, I was? You seen them? Like, hey, they were like DF students, and now they're at least a C average. Exactly, and I, I would put it about four out of five students that were in that danger zone have come through. Wow. And I mean, that to me, that's huge. Those are those students that are that borderline. What are they going to be doing in high school or post post school schooling? And just by having those four out of five work harder and show that they want to be doing that really showed me that, like, hey, you know what? These kids can actually amount to something. They can get to something and they'll be able to do it. And that's to me, that's that's the important part right there. So to kind of jump off of that, um, what's that project? Like we mentioned earlier, what doesn't make us average? Um, is there a project that you've done or you have in mind that you want to do that you're like, you know what, I want to do this because I know it's going to pay off exponentially and, you know, the kids are going to be super motivated and all that? Or is it one that you already do that the kids are super motivated with already? Um, or activity, anything like that in the classroom that you guys want to share. For like, for example, Eric Erder, you mentioned um, Flipgrid. For those of you that don't know, Flipgrid is free for educators. Yeah, yeah definitely free. And there's always people out there. And Flipgrid community is great. Always out there to help you. Um, but one thing I, I I started last year with my second graders. I taught second grade last year. Um, is that in order for them to learn the different tools in, in G Suite, uh, such as in sli uh, slides or, or docs, um, I, I got them to use Flipgrid and to use Screencastify, and I got them to learn and to, to, sh to find a tool in Google Slides and, and record it and say, hey, this is how you, um, this is how you add a, a text box. This is how you add a, 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 you know, a GIF or a GIF. Which is the bad. Which one, one is it? Uh, <laughs> I say I say gift, <laughs> but um, but they they should they uh, learn one tool at a time. They, they learn one aspect of that Google slide. That one little tool, how to center something, how to anything on there, and they use Screencastify and they post it onto our flip onto our grid so other students can see. And the challenge is find something in Google Slides that you can show someone, uh, you know, what to do on Google Slides. It could be anything on there. And the, and we had a big old list of all these things you can do on Google Slides. And then... Uh, and this is second grade, right? You said second grade? Second grade. So I, I taught them, I started out with uh, Google Drawings. I showed them how to do a, a, a Venn diagram and how to make it transparent to where you have three different colors on the Venn diagram. So every day I would show them one little tool, one little thing on Google Drawings. And I took that and, and did it with uh, Google Slides, but they showed each, each other of what to do on Google Slides. So we had a big old list and the students learned from each other. I didn't, I didn't teach them one thing. I, I, they just added to the, to, to the, to the grid. And what I found out is I had teachers uh, this year have already telling me, hey, um, I'm, you know, I showed I was going to show my students this on Google Slides or this on, uh, on Google Docs. And um, 
they would come up to me and say, hey, I already know how to do that, Mr. Garcia. We, sh- we showed each other yeah. how to do that last year. So so those students were teaching the other students in the classroom who didn't know how to do it. So it made the teacher's job even easier um, in the classroom. So that that's one thing. I, and I started doing that with my first graders this year with Google Docs right now. Um, so um, they're learning how to add, add a link, add a picture, you know, different, how to center something, how to, how to do a bullet. So they're teaching each other what to do instead of me teaching them. Yeah. So, so yeah, and, when, and when they get to like, and other teaching rest, well, you know, I don't want to spend that time on that. But then when you tell them, show me, you know, what, you know, explain it, reflect the kid will say, can I do a slideshow instead of writing, you know, three paragraphs, two paragraphs, five, that's our standard five paragraphs. You know what? Sure. Cause even me as a teacher, I'm, I get tired of reading stuff all the time. If they're like, Hey, can I do a green screen? Sure. Let's mix it up. And it, somebody might be like, well, it's just a minute. Yeah. They had to write the script. They had to edit and make sure it didn't sound dumb. They had to make sure all this and that. Um, I think when you do that at, at that age, like at first, second grade, as they pro- progress, when they get to me, if I'm like, all right, let's uh, do a slideshow. And I walk around and I'm like, man, these kids are jamming. You know what? Now I can go in and say, hey, I'm going to show you guys how to use Wakelet. You Now you can cultivate. And then it's going to be a different way of showing it. Or here's iMovie. You know, we have access to the to an iPad cart. Or let's do we video. Something yeah, like we that. Did. We can That's jump all. into it right we away. Had, we had an animal project and they actually did it. They collaborated and did slideshows. And then they took that slideshow and turned it into a, a wee video. See, uh, and now that's in second grade. So it, it, you know, and when when teachers say, "Oh, they're first graders, second graders," it's going to be too hard for them. It is not. They catch on so quick. By the way, well, um, Eric, well, just when you go ahead. when you go back to, are you you're on vacation right now, right? Yes. When you go back, um, I'll send you the link. Use a sculpt gel with them. You'll get them already used to 3D printing stuff. That all one, right. it's like a ball of clay, and they just start messing with it. But then you can say, all right, you guys played with it five minutes. You know, that's usually what I do when I give them something new. And I'll tell them, make me a piece of fruit. And some kids will go off and just start messing around, and other ones will be like, hey, I want to make a piece of fruit. Yeah. And it usually comes out pretty well, but I'll send that to you. And, and it goes back to some of those tools. They can be used by any grade. Maybe Tinkercad, maybe might be a little complicated, but honestly, if they can use, you know, like we video, if they can use um, slides, they could probably start using Tinkercad too already at that grade. So, well, if you actually ask any teacher, they they don't. I mean, uh, let me say that again. A lot of teachers don't realize that there are technology standards that they're supposed to be teaching and following through with for California. Uh, specific California specific has a scope and sequence based on what grade level and what they need to know. And I'm looking at it right now. It's telling me that by second grade, it's an optional, it's an option to be able to, for students to enter and edit data in spreadsheets and perform calculations using formulas. How many second grade teachers are using Excel and Google sheets to teach their students how to put in the formulas? I mean, there's things like that, that people don't realize. Yeah, they, um, and again, necessarily the, the teacher doesn't have to be an expert at it. They, um, it's, it's nothing bad when you learn along with your students. And uh, I think that's one of the things that the, the teachers got to change their mindset. They don't have to be an expert or something. So when, 
we uh, when I first started teaching a coding class, I start first started teaching coding in first grade uh, a couple of years ago. I didn't know that much, so I, I just learned along with my students, and they taught me things, and I taught them things, and we all learned together, and we had they had a great time doing it, and, and so did I. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, students understand the concept of coding, but they just need to be given the access and given the ability to actually show that they do know it. I mean, Jesus talks about using robots. You can use robots for that. You could use literally pieces of paper to learn how to code. Or you can use a, Yeah, that's one thing. I, we just taught them. We, uh, we bought, we got some uh, B-bots and, and they learn how to code without using any kind of technology. They use arrows. They use uh, paper. That's all they use to, to learn how to code. So, um, you know, you don't have to have that technology all the time to... to to learn how to do something such as coding. Well, and to kind of go off of that, you guys were talking about like that thing that you guys do that's like your project, you know? Um, I mean, I mentioned earlier the, the prosthetic one, um, 3D printing and all that. Um, but there's one that I, I, it takes months because it's, it's three, but they all come together. Um, so before I went into teaching, well, I had started studying teaching and then I went into game design and then I came back into teaching. So I still have that in my mind and in my heart. Um, so the kids will make a cardboard arcade game first, like um, Kane's arcade. If you've never seen that, look it up. Yeah. Um, you, if, if you watch the video, you're like, okay, I know what to do. And for me, I make sure the kids do blueprints, label it properly. I'm like, well, who does this belong to? It doesn't even have your name. Oh, okay. And then you come back. I'm like, well, what do you need? Just paper. No, any cardboard and say, well, it doesn't say it here. So they learn to be more organized. Um, they go from that into a board game, which is a lot more complicated than what it sounds like because they got to write rules and they got to be very specific with the rules. And I break the game for them by, it doesn't say I can't go backwards. So I just started moving my piece backwards after I rolled the die. And they're like, you can't go that way. Where does it say that? So then they're like, okay, all right. And then it progresses to the last one, which is a big one. It's, it combines art, it combines writing, computer science, design thinking, all these awesome things. So they'll write a, a narrative, depending on the grade level. That right now it's five paragraphs. Um, they do some art pieces to design their character, and, they, and at the end they make a video game. Um, for me, that's like my baby. I love that project. Right now, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try this other one next year. The one with the prosthetics. I don't know how that'll work out. I don't know if I can find enough donors or if I'm only going to find one or zero. But I think just them having access and understanding the cost of, I don't know if you guys know this, you know, the hook hand that open and closes, that's $10,000 if they don't have insurance. Mm -hmm. And some insurances will only cover like 40% of it. So you're on the hook for four, five, six grand. Um, a regular just rubber looking prosthetic is $5,000. So it has no function. And the, the hook one, I mean, is that really functional? It just opens and closes like it doesn't really do anything. But um, that project took me a couple of years to kind of like hash out and get it how I wanted. And I think that goes back to, I think some teachers are like, no, well, I'm going to fall. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to do this wrong. Well, that's okay because, Eric, everything you've done, you got it right the first time. 
Nope. <laughs> if you had said yes, I was gonna be like, yeah, right, bro. <laughs> uh, 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 we know who's the liar in this group. <laughs> um, no, no, so no, you, you, hey, hey, there, there's there's a lot of times where I've you. Well, one thing I've learned how to do is I reflect every day on on my teaching for the day, and and there's been a lot of times where man, I go, man, that really stuck today. Yep. <laughs> that really was bad. Uh, oh, you got to close shop. Like you're, you're doing, so, you're doing activity. You're like, I'm going to cut it 20 minutes short. Cause this is like right. blown up in my face. So, so you just have to go back to the drawing board. That's all you have to do. It's nothing wrong with failing. So, but uh, yeah, keep going I'm, I'm on your project. So yeah, you just gotta keep, keep at it. Yeah. That's, and I think, well, I would just do the cardboard arcade one year. And then another year, I had students that they wanted to do something else. And I did the video game one. And then in between, I was like, man, there's got to be another piece to this. What Should I do a different video game? And I was like, no. Like, board games? Board games? Man, it can't be that complicated. <laughs> and then I just went and opened up some that I had at home. I bought some at a flea market. And I looked at the rules. I'm like, you know, these weren't here. I could just do whatever I wanted. It'd be like a broken, you know, game. And that's what I do. Even with their video games, they'll make their character and they're like, oh, I bet you can't beat it. And I go and walk off a cliff and die. And I'm like, this is, that was a short game. And they get mad. They're like, you can't walk that way. I'm like, where does it say that? Then block me. Build the, the level where I can't do that. And it drives kids crazy because I will go and find a way to like, oh, look, I like there's jetpacks. I'll give you another example. There's jetpacks. So I fly over all the enemies. They're like, you can't fly over them. Then why'd you put a jetpack there and no wall? <sighs> Okay. All right, Mr. Huerta. I'm going to go back and then they put traps. They know I'm going to try to break it. So then they put traps and then they start laughing at me. So it's my own fault. <laughs> okay. So anything else you guys want to share before we wrap this up? Because we have been talking for a while. Anything you guys want to share? Anything you're excited about? Uh, any conferences? No. no, I'm excited. One thing I'm excited is about the Pi Academy. So, uh, oh, yeah. I, I, you know what? I've, I've I've been to one to a conference to where they showcased a little bit uh, of pie of Raspberry Pi, and uh, I saw that they were um, doing uh, is it um, uh, Roblox um, Minecraft Minecraft yeah but um, I thought that was interesting. My kids love love Minecraft, so. Um, but I want to. I just been researching, and man, there's so much you can do with Raspberry Pis, and I want to learn how to how to use Raspberry Pis. So, absolutely. So, giving a little background about Pi Academy. Pi Academy is a two day training that you apply for to get Raspberry Pi certified educator status, and it's a great little program. I've got. I went through it in December of eighteen. And this year I'll be the instructor at Irvine for Pi Academy. And what it really is, is just a great two-day intensive training with about Raspberry Pi. And all the people in the room have the same exact feeling and knowledge and willingness to learn as you. And it's just a great little, uh, once you become educa uh, certified educator, you join this little clan of people that, really care about what's going on and they just want to expand the knowledge of Raspberry Pi and physical computing and microcomputers. 
So, and, Paul, you, you already mastered Raspberry Pi. You're an instructor now. You just, uh, you know, what? <laughs> there's always room to learn. I mean, Reddit is full of Raspberry Pi projects. There's subreddits of Raspberry Pi. You could go onto the Raspberry Pi website, and they have their own projects. Instructables. You can go to Magpie, and they're going to have their own project pages in, in the magazine. I yeah. mean, people have found m limitless ways to use this $35 computer to whatever they want to do with it. If and anything, I mean, at least it'll run, you know, Minecraft, which is crazy because it's 35 bucks. It's $35, and I mean, you can program it to... A couple of things you can do is that you can program it to be an ad blocker for your entire network. You can have it ran as a classroom. You could run them as a classroom uh, of Raspberry Pis, where they're uh, controlled by one central uh, user. Or you could create, let's say, just the Magic Mirror, which is the basic project that people get introduced into, where you put a, a one-way glass mirror on a screen and you have the Raspberry Pi running in the background and has your background information, whatever you want, the weather, the news, your Jeopardy question of the day, or if there's been an earthquake near you. It, it's a super, um, it's not, there's not one way to use it. You, there's limitless ways. You can attach a LEDs to it. You can attach yeah. gyroscopes. I mean, it, it is virtually limitless. Wow. See, there you go. Pi Academy, if you have not signed up for it, it's already late right now, but they're going to have more towards the end of the year, or is it once a year? It's one, uh, They do one season of training, so it starts in the summer and ends in the summer, and then I'll look for it. Next I'm January? Guessing, yeah, I'm guessing January-ish. Okay. If, if you're interested and you, you, know, you missed out on that, I mean, if you know some people on Twitter, like Paul, follow Paul. He can help you if you're like, hey, I want to get started. Um, he's super helpful. Um, the thing I'm yeah, looking for. We'll, we'll throw some, that, that's the big thing, too. It is free to go to. You just got to, you know, pay Sign your up. own way to get there. So, but. Yeah, um, you can sleep in your car and it's really free. <laughs> <laughs> you can sleep in your car. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're, we're bunking. Me and you, buddy. Don't worry. Uh, so, Eric, I'm excited about that, too. Um not to name drop, but because I won the Leroy Fincom, the fellow. Huh? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I get to go to ISTE. Uh, I'm going to take my wife with me. Um, go hang out. I've never been to that conference, never been to Philadelphia. So I've always wanted to go. And I was like, well, I guess I'll wait till next year when it's here in Anaheim or wherever it's going to be at next year. Yep. Yeah, Anaheim. Um, but no, I'm going to go this year. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, we have our, steak. huh? Yeah. I get some Philly cheesesteaks. Oh yeah. Oh, you know what? My wife, she makes good cheesecake. <laughs> so now I got to take her to have some of that and see what she thinks. Um, then we got our, our conference coming up in a couple of weeks. Tech the mile. Paul is going to be here. Eric kind of punked out. No, I'm okay, getting punked out. It's, it's, a, it's far. It's far. <laughs> I've already got too much, man. Got too many conferences. Um, Tech the mile. So if you're in Pearl Valley, near Imperial Valley. You want to see a lot of good local educators. We have a lot of strong people here. Um, it's a one-day thing. We do a lot of little presentations. Paul's doing a little Raspberry Pi camp that day. Um, session. What do you want to call it? I'll be doing one on 3D printing. And then I'll have like a little mini playground with VR and some other stuff. Um, 
but yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming up. Paul Hume, what are you what are you looking forward to? Uh, for the you know, Teco de Mayo is really big. I'm also looking forward to hearing about Big Bear uh, Rockstar. Oh to, yeah, there's that one. Yeah, I want. I haven't heard anything from that yet, but I'm. I'd be really excited to hear either if I'm going. To, I applied to present there, and if I don't get that, I am definitely going to be attending. There you go, Sam. Yeah, I got some other stuff going on this summer that I don't know how many conferences I can go to. I have a actually, I'm going to start teaching my class. I think it's this Sunday coming up for uh, KCI for Cross Center, so that's coming up. I, also. I'm I'm also excited. We're gonna we have a training next in this summer for uh, screen printing, so we're getting a fab lab. So let's uh, get trained in how to do screen printing and also learn how to use our the new laser engraver that we're getting. So um, can't wait. I got those two two to go to. So then I got to throw in family time and then pickleball tournament. So I got I, I got too much going on. Ah, uh, so <laughs> wow, humble uh, humble brag much? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, you want to talk to us about your fabrication lab? Well, yeah, well, hopefully we're getting a, 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 a pie lab in there as well. So. Look at this guy. So what do you have in there? <laughs> so We don't have anything in there right now. A teacher is there right now, so we just got our all our screen printing stuff in there, and then we should be getting our laser engravers this week or last Are week. Are you guys getting the laser AP one? Yeah, AP laser. You guys always go top of the line. That's good, though. So, um. It, it was all it was all done through LCAP money, man. That's one thing, uh, Paul. I was going to tell you. Uh, try to use try to find a way to use uh, LCAP funds to get LCAP funds to fund your new game stuff because that's how we got our Fab Lab funded. Nice um, LCAP money. They have a lot of districts have a lot of money to use through LCAP. So, and now, because we're talking about this, I mean, we're just. The average teachers, we're classroom teachers. We're not the ones that make the decisions on LCAP allocations. But I mean, this is the time where you say, hey, you need to stop, talk to your admin and say, hey, this is what we should be doing. This is what we need to be going. And you got to take that risk and you need to know your admin to be able to say, hey, I think this is the route and avenue we should be taking right now. Yeah. And, and that's the one thing I, even my admin mentioned uh, before we left. Uh, uh, that he uh, tells me no all the time because I'm always asking him things. <laughs> one of the things I asked him about is getting a fa fabrication lab through LCAP funds, and uh, that's one of the things he's, he he was in for. So he said, "Yeah, let's let's do it. Uh, we're getting a bunch of 3D printers. Um, uh, uh, hopefully, a pie <laughs> a pie lab. But um, uh, our third grade teacher is going to." pretty much be running that um kind of <clears throat> i mean so eric you you guys have <clears throat> eric and paul you guys have a lot of admin that are uh, supportive but i know some very, people i know some supportive. people out there they don't have anybody um kind of maybe in, in you know supporting them um for them i would say donors choose check yeah. if it's okay with your district most districts are okay with it um just double check because it would suck if you go to donors choose, get something awesome, and then you go transfer to another district or even another school in the same district, and they're like, oh, we have to stay at that classroom. Um, from what I understand, technically, it should follow the teacher, but just make sure you check with your districts. Um, the other thing you is also if check with the check the fine print of donors choose, because sometimes they've been changing that yes. up 
So just make sure that you follow that before you do anything. Yes. Or if you're okay, you know, you've been in your district for a long time, you're not going anywhere, then sounds good. Um, the other thing is if you have an admin that's on the fence <clears throat> and they're, they need some convincing, go to Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, go on there and just hit somebody up. Hey, you know what? Ask some teacher on there that you know. Hey, who who would you recommend about Arduinos? They'll, you'll get like 10 answers, and then you'll get another 10 answers. And you'll probably find somebody who'll say, you know what? Hey, I can send you a slideshow I've made before. Or if you put me in contact with your principal or super, I can kind of give them more information, not necessarily convince them, but at least you can find someone that, you know what? I'm interested in 3D printing, VR, robotics, but I need someone that has used it and can explain how it ties in academically. You know what? You can find someone. And in this group, you're going to find the advocate somewhere out there. Yeah, you'll find them, you know. So, but with that said, thank you, Eric, for telling us all the stuff you have. Um, that was nice. <laughs> um, that's it for this first episode. Uh, hopefully it's not terrible. Um, and then uh, we're going to try to record every week, maybe more often than that. Depends if, you know, how many people actually show up out of the five. We got three this time. Uh, yeah, that's a dig at a couple of our other uh, partners here. So with that, uh, that's me. I'm Jesus Huerta. I'm signing out. Peace awesome. out. Paul signing off. Eric signing out. You guys take care. All right. We'll see you in the next episode, guys. Peace.